Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we, we all have different hurts and different wounds that, that we are carrying that have happened to us, that we've experienced. We know many, many people who are carrying wounds and, and hurts that things have happened to them. Teach us, Lord, how, how to help. How are we supposed to help people that are hurting while we ourselves are hurting, while we are wounded from the, the sins and the things in this world as well? Teach us how to draw close to you. Teach us how to pursue you and see you and follow you into wholeness and into healing that we could be an example and a model to others, Lord. Help us and speak to us in this time, Jesus. In your name, amen. Okay, so helping while hurting. We all want to help those who are hurting around us, and that's why, that's why we're all here today. We're all leaders or pursuing leadership in some capacity, and... Uh, the people we know in our lives, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, the, the people we're, we're trying to help lead and, and serve are all hurting in some way. And so are we. We have things that have happened in life, circumstances and situations and th- things we've witnessed that have marked us. But so how are we supposed to help other people when we ourselves have these wounds and have these pains? You know, uh, the other day I was helping helping Pastor Derek. We were redoing the goggle ball pit for the youth. And I hadn't used a screw gun in a little while. And we were just down there for like two hours putting the 2 by 4 screwing in, reinforcing everything. And then later that night, my whole hand, in like 15 minutes, all of a sudden this knot developed on the back of my hand. And it was so painful. And I'm like, oh, well, at least it's just my hand. Well, I, I had trouble even walking because just moving my arm caused it to hurt so stinking bad. I'm like, oh, this little tiny thing is causing all this pain and affecting how I move, even walking. And and that's that's what happens when we get wounded. Sometimes we think wounds are so small and and can be superficial, but if they're not dealt with, they become infected and they cause more issues. And we know infection starts to eat away flesh and spread. And so... How, how do we deal with our pain? How do we pursue the Lord to get healing so that we can help each other and walk well with each other? So this morning we're going to talk about how to view our pain and how our pain can lead us into the very presence of Jesus that brings wholeness and understanding. And this same path can be the example that points others to their healing and to their wholeness. So our main passage is going to be Philippians 3, 10 through 14. I just want to read that. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So that first verse again, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Knowing Christ in our suffering. There's, there's, a, there's a perspective change in Paul that while he's writing this, that, that is different than, than, a, than just looking and focusing on the pain he's <clears throat> dealing with. Let's see where, where Paul was when he wrote this. We know he was in prison. And what, is, what does he even say? He says... 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So, Paul's in prison, and you're like, okay, he's in prison, and and he can have this perspective, yep, God, I'm in prison for you, and I'm in chains for you, that's great. But to really understand that that he's he's able to say that, and he's saying that in the midst, this isn't just like he's in some white-collar crime prison. He's in this horrible dungeon. He probably has shackles on his arms and legs, steel shackles, so... Think about moving around all day long and the wounds and the pain that that creates. There's probably rats and disease everywhere. I mean, it's not it's not good, okay? And that's just the physical stuff. Paul's main thing in his life, who, who he even is, he says in Romans, I'm a servant of Christ, an apostle, given the gospel, given the gospel to preach it. Like his whole heart is about advancing the kingdom of God and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, with the Jews, anyone that will hear the good news, that will hear this message. So he's he's not even able to do what he's called to do. If, if you're thinking about it logically, uh, I'm in prison, great. How am I able to go around and start all these different churches and encourage the churches that I have started? How am I supposed to do all my missions trips? I'm stuck in prison. That in itself is a deep wound and a, or can be a deep wound and a suffering. Like, I'm not able to even do what God has called me to do. But in the beginning of Philippians, we see that his perspective or what he says is happening is that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. I mean, even the guards are seeing, oh my goodness, this apostle, this guy that's been starting this wildfire of Christianity and, and through him all this is spreading and advancing. We got him locked up and it's still happening. Even the palace guards are like, yeah, this guy knows the Lord. This is, this, it's still advancing, it's still happening. So if we embrace the perspective, okay, let's back up. We're not ignoring the fact that there's pain in our lives. We're not ignoring that people have said and done everything from just snub mean things to horrific atrocities. We're not belittling or minimizing the fact that that's real and that has happened to us in different in varying ways but we're taking our eyes off of that pain and we're looking forward to who Christ is and and we will get to this in a little bit but we're pressing on to who he is and what he took hold of for us and what he took hold of us for <coughs> it's in in this moment and in this process of changing our perspective, that we begin to see what God is actually doing in us and through us. Yes, the pain is still very real. It's still very real from Paul. I mean, we read on further and he's talking about he's in tears even because he knows the enemy hates the cross. That There are those that hate Jesus and hate the gospel. I mean, this pain is very real. So it's not ignoring it. It's not not acknowledging it. It's changing our perspective to, to what does Jesus say about this. And, and I think the question is, is God really in control when we're in our pain? When we're in our pain, is God really in control and can I trust him? Or do I have to figure out how to protect myself and figure out what's going on to make sure that never happens again? And I'm not saying don't use wisdom. 
And I'm not saying we're not going to pray for protection and that the enemy's schemes will be thwarted and cut off. No, no. I pray those prayers all the time. But, but are we moving to trust more and more? We, we see this with Joseph. Uh, another great example. I mean, here's a guy who his brothers absolutely hated him. We're going to kill him because they're just so jealous. I mean, talk about growing up in a family that hates you. As a young person, how would you... I mean, I can't imagine how difficult and horrible that was. And then as one brother has enough common sense and compassion to be like, no, let's put him in this well, and then they see some people and sell him off. Okay, well, he didn't get killed, but now he's in slavery. And then we know he's in Potiphar's house, and his wife is trying to seduce him and trying to get him in bed constantly, and then cries rape, or that he's trying to attack her and molest her. Now he's in prison for years. All to get to the point that he's risen to second in command in Egypt. Which this nation was saved the rest of the nations around. There's a great famine. And because of God giving Joseph the wisdom and strategy, Egypt saved, God saved the entire nation through a nation surrounding through Joseph. And what, what did Joseph say when finally his brothers came who were starving to death and all the pain, all the emotions surfaced? We saw it come to a head because he has to leave their presence and, and he's in tears and you know they don't recognize that it's him yet or know that it's, it's their brother that they tried to kill and sold away. And, and what, does he, what does he say? What the enemy meant for evil. What was meant for evil, God meant for good, for the saving of many lives. Like Joseph understood that even though all this suffering has happened for most of his entire life, it was all that God was sovereign and he was in control and moving him and moving him and taking him through things. So God doesn't purposely cause suffering just because, okay, they need suffering. Suffering happens because of life circumstances and the things going on around us and the brokenness of creation because of sin. And then the Lord takes us through that suffering to build our character. It's not purposeful. It's not, oh, well, Joe, my little buddy Joe needs a lot of suffering right now. No, it's okay. These things are, are, are going to happen. And I'm going to be with you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're not going to fear evil. Because my rod and my staff, my strength and my guidance, they're going to comfort you. It's It's... It's from that understanding, from that perspective, that Paul, that Joseph, Abraham, all these people of faith can say, yeah, God is amazing and he is in control and, and I'm, I'm participating in his sufferings. And, and that's going to take us to our next point. But before we get to that next point, there also is an example of someone that didn't have this perspective. And that was John the Baptist. And here you have not some nominal guy just kind of off in the, uh, in the margins. You have John the Baptist baptizing Jesus himself, sees the heavens open, the dove come down, the Father's voice says, this is my son who I'm pleased. Like John the Baptist was a witness to all of this happening, to all of this. And then some time later, some years later, he's in prison and he sends his friends and his disciples, um, go, go talk to Jesus, go find him and ask him if he is really the one we were looking for or are we, are we supposed to now go find another? Like, go find Jesus. Find out if he's really who he says he is because this, right now this sucks. Like, this is not, this is not good. I'm in prison. Uh, this isn't this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't Jesus. You're coming, and you know all the Jews, all the people. They thought that Jesus was going to come and establish His kingdom, take over the government, and overthrow the Roman government, and right everything in that way. And He didn't do any of that. And now John is in prison, and he's like, "What is going on?" His own pain, his own confusion caused him to doubt and fear who 
this man was that he loved and saw firsthand. I mean, he baptized him and saw firsthand the Holy Spirit descend and the Father's voice and all that. And he didn't make it out alive. Like he got beheaded, right? So it's it's not like there was this turnaround in the story and uh, and he ended up to death. So having a perspective in our in our pain, getting a change in perspective off of off of the wound and off of all the ashes and on to who God is and that he is in control in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. This is participating in his sufferings. This is what Paul's talking about. Yeah, I want to know the power of his resurrection. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And participating in his sufferings, that does not sound awesome. That doesn't sound great. That isn't great. Participating in his sufferings. Isaiah 53, 3. He speaking, this is this is prop being prophesied about the coming Messiah, about Jesus. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like no one from like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. I just try to imagine what it was like to be Jesus. To have no to, to be divinity, to have been in perfect union as part of the Godhead. Okay, try to understand that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one gets three separate persons. Perfect union. I I mean the greatest theologians still cannot explain that. But I mean, so you have Jesus, part of the Godhead, in perfection. Perfect communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Willing and wanting to become flesh. Fully knowing the cross and everything in between. And that that was the mission, was was the cross. That was the purpose in coming. And then, I mean, right before, in verse 2 of, of Isaiah 53, he says, he wasn't even, like, attractive. There was nothing about him that, that drew people to him. He's just kind of a kind of common, un, you know, unattractive dude. And uh, here's, he was despised, rejected, known as a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. Imagine growing up your whole life and everyone seeing you and being like, oh. I don't, I, I don't even want to be a associated with that person. Ugh. Like how deeply wounding is that to a person that doesn't know their identity, that doesn't know who they are, how the Father sees them and created them. I mean, it's still pain. I mean, it's still painful. Even if you are really secure in your identity, that still hurts. Like that's a real thing. And that's not even talking about how they rejected him in his adult ministry. How they hated him, they kicked him, they beat him, they spat upon him. People flocked to him for healing, he'd heal them, and then he abandoned them, or they abandoned him and and went on their way back to their own lives. Like, here here was a guy that, even his 12 all rejected him at the end, and went all went their own way, because they didn't understand it was so painful and so confusing. They lost their best friend. They don't know what's going on. And they all they all just scattered back to their old lives. But if we can have the perspective that we are participating in his sufferings, if we have that perspective, it invites us into two things. A revelation of his love for us. And an intimate encounter that brings comfort. And I want to back up a little bit. I want to... Jesus wept, right? Like, that's that's a Bible verse. Jesus wept when Lazarus was dead and Mary and Martha were freaking out because 
Of course, because Lazarus has been dead for three days. And where are you, Jesus? You could have saved him. He sat down and wept. And theologians will talk about different reasons why he wept. Like, he wept because they didn't have faith. He wept because Lazarus was dead. Like, I, none of that matters. What matters to me is Jesus is weeping. Like, this is real pain. This isn't manufactured self-righteous tears. Like, okay, I better cry for these people so they know I'm, I have humanity. No, Jesus had humanity. He was weeping. His heart was grieved. Part of the participating in his sufferings is in that intimate encounter, understanding that he's weeping with you. That it's not you on your own and you have to suck it up and just get over it and move on. No. The the revelation of his love, that intimate encounter, is being with him while he weeps over you and brings you comfort and peace. It was so great hearing hearing Jason's talk on Job. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, you! Put, I didn't know what he was talking about at all. <laughs> and how God just orchestrates, even these messages, and I'm sure all the other breakouts he's orchestrated too, that are just being pieced together. This is a revelation of his love. Second Corinthians 1.5 says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. It's not a distant, only in the future will I be comforted when, when we're on the other side. Yeah, that's going to be awesome, and my hope is absolutely in eternity with Jesus' imperfection. Yes, but there is a present hope. There is still a rest we can enter into now. And that is what Paul is talking about, about pressing on to take hold. I want to read, I want to read those again. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. We know, we know that that prize is Jesus and eternal life with Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. Like eternity in perfect communion, perfect relationship, just like it was in the garden before sin came. I, man, I dream of those days. So I, I press on to take hold of that, of what God says is coming, and, and press, press on to take hold of it. I can have His peace and comfort now, in the midst of my pain, and in the midst of my suffering. See, I, no matter how much I can counsel, no matter how many, even prophetic words that are so powerful, I love prophetic words, I love giving prophetic words. All of that is so great, but no matter how much I do that, or, or we do that, if we, if we can't point people to Jesus themselves, for them to encounter <coughs> Him themselves... Then, then, then they're going to keep looking to us. And, and that's the wrong message. That's the wrong thing. We need to take hold of Jesus and everything He has for us in the moment, participating in His, in his, in his sufferings and understanding that perspective. It's from, from that place of, of pressing on and taking hold. And this is a matter of faith. We, th- you know, I people will talk about it that it's about sanctification. Now, sanctification is about our sin and our our actions and God purifying us and making us more holy. This is a separate matter. This is this is the growing in our faith and our character in God. This is the process that that we embrace as Christians. 
So it's taking a hold of the truth that God is in control. God is in control of my pain. God is in control of the situation I'm in. He can make the wind and the waves, he can still command them and cause them to cease and be still. Or he can walk with me through it. Whatever, whatever way he's doing it, I'm trusting, we're trusting that God is in control. And that's what, what Paul has come to. That is what he's saying. I, I'm in chains for Christ. Clearly God is in control. The gospel is still advancing. And in this, his brothers and sisters, those believers outside, their faith is building up in confidence that they're like, we're not in prison. We're not suffering nearly as bad as Paul. People aren't accusing us and being mean to us nearly as much as, as what Paul's going through. We can do this thing. We can preach this gospel. Not in our own strength, but by the grace of God and trusting that God is in control. That's all that faith is. Faith is that God is in control. That God is sovereign. That God is powerful. That God is God. And we are not. You see, when we try to control our pain, which we all do, and I do a lot, I hate pain, it only equals and brings us to bitterness and unforgiveness, fear and doubt. Like When we try to control everything we're going through and all the hurt and all the things, that, I mean, if I was to do that, I would have no one in my life but me. No one else would be in my life but me if, if, if I just went relentless <coughs> in controlling. I mean, I still can be a very controlling person. But I'm pressing on. Fear and doubt? I, I mean, those, that's the enemy's playground. Those are his, his toys and tools of choice. But when we give our pain to God and see it as suffering with Him, we get His peace and we get His healing. I mean, we've all experienced it. Pain, difficulty, frustration, not knowing the next step, <coughs> not knowing when this storm is going to die. This season has been going on for a long time. And, and the Lord breaks in. And the circumstances don't change, but our hearts do, and our perspective changes. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, you're in control. How, how foolish I was being. <coughs> it's never condemning. It's never like, oh, you stupid boy, why didn't you just trust me? I was, buddy, I've been here all along, and I've been doing 7,000 things more than you realize. I've been working behind the scenes this whole time. I'm your dad. I'm God. None of this throws me off. <coughs> and that brings that peace and that rest allows us to bring our walls down, allows the Holy Spirit to come in and heal those troubled areas in our hearts. <coughs> Paul believed God and took hold of it. And walking with Jesus is our reward. I want to read something. Uh, this is Oswald Chambers. I went <coughs> Monday and Tuesday this week on a little retreat, getaway, study break. And uh, I was going to work on, on uh, this session. <coughs> and I didn't. I knew I wanted or I was supposed to talk about helping while hurting. I had no verse, I had nothing, I just was like, okay, this is Saturday. But I knew I was going to get away from the Lord, and I, so I figured, okay, that's when we'll work out. And I just, I sat down, and, and this, they have like a daily devotional type <coughs> thing. And so I opened it up to that day, which it was Tuesday the 19th, and uh, I'm going to read part of it, because it was just like, wow, this is so good. Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. It is a life of faith, not of intellect and reason, but of life a life of knowing who makes us go. The root of faith is the knowledge of a person, and one of the biggest snares is the idea that God is sure to lead us to success. That, that was John the Baptist's problem. 
He was sure that God's life was going to lead him to success, but he is in prison. And then got beheaded. The final stage in the life of faith is attainment of character. There are many passing transfigurations of character. When we pray, we feel the blessing of God unwrapping us, and for the time being, we are changed. Then we get back to the ordinary days and ways, and the glory vanishes. The life of faith is not a life of mounting up with wings, but a life of walking and not fainting. It is not a question of sanctification, but of something infinitely further on than sanctification. It's of faith that has been tried and proved and stood the test. Abraham is not a type of sanctification, but a type of the life of faith, a tried faith built on a real God. Abraham believed God. And that, that's exactly what is going on with Paul. Paul believed God. He was in chains for Christ. God was in control. I mean, earlier on in chapter 2, or 1 or 2, I was like, am I going to die? Am I going to live? I mean, I'd much rather be in heaven with you, Lord, but I should be down here to continue advancing the gospel, continue continue preaching your word and the assignment you've given me, so I guess I'm going to stay here. But, I mean, what he's saying in that is, I'm not in control. Yeah, I'd much rather be in heaven. I'd much rather be in perfection with you. But you're in control, and you've brought me into prison. Like, I'm in prison, and you're here with me. And the guards know that you're with me. And my fellow believers outside know you're with me and in control. And there, there's a sense of confidence that builds. Before we get, get to the our last point, I want to share a story of uh, something I went through a couple of years ago. This is a story about trusting God with my own pain and not doing a very good job with it. So I, I had a co-worker uh, that we were just butting heads like crazy. And because we were both pastors, we couldn't outwardly be verbally acoustic or do things like so much outwardly because, oh, well, that'd be sin. You can't, you know, you can't do that. So we're both per- like snide things, we're both being very passive-aggressive, and we're hurting each other, we're both hurting. And uh, this was going on for quite a while, because we neither of us were dealing with it well, and neither of us were communicating well. And I was like, I was hurt, I was offended, I was building a case in my mind and heart against this person. So you see, fear, doubt, unforgiveness, bitterness, all these things, I'm trying to control the pain. And uh, poor Tom, poor Pastor Tom, like he, he just he just loves people and he gets frustrated, but he has so much grace. <laughs> he's and he's he's meeting with me, he's meeting with the other person, and and uh, he's just I'm telling all the re- like I'm trying to spiritually explain why this other person is so wrong. <laughs> and uh Tom is just like, bro, what does it matter if he lives or dies? Like, Peter, knock it off. Worry about yourself and all the things going on in your heart, all the wrong things in your heart. God is working on him and dealing with him. And you need to trust God that, what is it to you? God is dealing with him. And clearly he's dealing with you. Knock it off. (laughs) I'm just like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know but so this had gone on i mean this was probably a year where this was growing and it went on for quite a while anyways and even though tom's meetings were were helpful i still didn't fully embrace it i was just like mm. and then it was prayer and fasting week a couple years ago and it was tuesday morning during during our staff prayer time and I, you know, and I'm in a very bad place. All Tuesday morning prayers, all my, all the prayer meetings, all my prayers are tainted with this bitterness, are tainted with this hurt, just tainted everything. And uh, I have this picture of someone that is deeply wounded, like their heart is just deeply, deeply wounded. And uh, the glory of God is coming to this person. And I'm sharing this out loud. So this person is so deeply wounded. And it's like, there's like this ring wraith. Often I get like movie analogies. 
And uh, there's like this ring ring, and then there's this huge claw dug into this person's heart. And the Lord is coming. He's going to pull it out. He's going to set the person free. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh my goodness, that person is me. Like, I'm speaking this out to our, to our group, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're coming to me. I'm that, I'm that person. And tears just, I just sit there quietly, tears just flowing. And it was with, with this, I mean, beautiful power, strength, like, anger against the enemy, just this, but just this powerful ease. He just came and was just like, just pulled it right out. It's like, I, I could almost feel it physically. It was just like, ugh. And all of a sudden, in those five, ten minutes of just, there with Jesus, all of a sudden, everything that that guy, that person was doing wrong, that I was so upset, I was like, oh, well, he's hurt because of this, and that's why he's acting, and God, he doesn't know what he's doing, and I certainly don't know what I'm doing, because I'm acting this way, and this way, and this way, and all of a sudden, in in those few moments, my whole perspective changed, genuine forgiveness came, and healing began to happen, and it took just a little time, but that relationship has been wonderful. Yeah, I have to guard my heart against uh, the enemy coming in that way. Um, but that relationship is phenomenal now. And because we went through, and God was working on that person in that, going through different stuff, and we were able to come together and work through our stuff in honesty and genuineness, and uh, it was just so beautiful. But I was not trusting God. I mean, I, it had to be this prophetic word that I was giving somebody else. I'm like, oh, okay, knucklehead, this is, this is you. <laughs> so when we get that perspective change and understand that we're just participating in Christ's sufferings and we press on to take hold of that faith, that that understanding, that trust that God is in control and dealing with all of us in thousands of different ways that we don't even understand behind the scenes. When we begin to emulate and do that, we become examples. Philippians three fifteen through 18 says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that... Two, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my examples, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross. So this this becoming an example is not this mounting up on wings and I'm a super Christian and nothing hurts me because God, you're, you, you're my shield. Nothing hurts me. Yeah, God, you are my shield and my protector. But I still feel the pain and the sufferings of this world and the pain and the sufferings of, that happens in sin and when people do and say things. It's not, it's not a, a total abasement of emotion. It's, Use it's giving it to God and and not letting it control and manipulate us. It's becoming like Him in His response, and getting that deeper level of understanding that He is in control. He really is in every situation. So how do we help people when we're hurting? Well, we ourselves have to get that perspective. When we're hurting, we have to. We have to have the perspective that God is in control. And he didn't, he didn't necessarily orchestrate this horrible thing that's happened or this painful thing that's happened, but he's using it for my good. He's using it to build my character. He's using it to teach me. And in the end, it's going to be used for the saving of many, many lives. It's going to be used as an example to others to point them to Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. Follow our example. This is... This is what we're doing. We are looking to Jesus. We are growing our faith. We're growing our trust in Him, which means less control and more releasing. It's not superficial. Again, it's not... uh, It is acknowledging the pain. It's not ignoring it and pretending it's not there. It's what we're doing with it and how, how we're 
dealing with it. So one last story I want to share. Uh, this was this was just a couple weeks ago, um, and let, let me say that 2018 phenomenal year, like like one of the best years of my life, like phenomenal year, phenomenal stuff at home, growth and breakthroughs in our kids, just seeing them maturing and growing and fun and and. Uh, uh, we have three very wild kids, and, and just seeing them developing and growing and beginning to mature. And Ashley and Maya's relationship, she was going through stuff for about two years with postpartum and anxiety, and God is healing her and bringing her through that, and she's becoming this um, the most amazing, confident woman. Like she was when we were first married, and they two years just knocked her down. And they so and, and she's just standing back up and doing phenomenal, phenomenal. Stuff at church has been great. Worst stuff has been phenomenal. Beginning of 2019, not so much fun. 2018, phenomenal. And then all, and so you like you forget that there's bad seasons, right? When you have like a really good long season, you're like, oh, this it's just gotta be like this forever. <laughs> no, no, how how quickly I forget that no, there's bad seasons. It's been a very hard season. And uh, just several difficult things happening, all demanding time, attention, wisdom, lots of wisdom. Uh, and it's all around this topic of things happening, not becoming offended as you're trying to help and not, not being hurt and not being overwhelmed by and not trying to block off and just like, okay, all these things are happening. But God, you are in control. And if there's a misunderstanding when you're trying to to encourage someone and, and point them to Jesus. Praise God, I'm participating in this suffering. Like, this has been a very real process for me, this whole message. Um, and uh, so I was POC a couple weeks ago. And POC is pastor on call, which just means whoever pastor on call sits, we're in the office uh, Monday through Friday for the whole office hours. And anyone that calls in for prayer, hospital visits, counseling, whatever's whatever's going on, that pastor is the point person and meets with them. So we got a call, and uh, it was, and I have permission to share this. Um, it was a woman in our church, her name was Rebecca, and she said, my, my daughter-in-law is dying. She has leukemia. She's been fighting this for a number of years. She's very young. And uh, they give the chemo. It goes away, then it comes back. Chemo goes away, comes back. They've done bone marrow transplant. That didn't work. So she says, well, do you... She knows who I am. Um, I don't know who she is because we're on the phone. I'm like, okay, I don't recognize this person. And and she's like, do you do you know how to anoint people and pray? pray anoint with oil and pray for healing? And I was like, I'm not a pro, but I, I, I can do that, yeah. Okay, okay, good. Says, and uh, she's going to hell, so you need to come preach the gospel to her. Great! <laughs> um, and I, I mean, I got nothing, which is, which is the best possible place I could be. It's the best possible place I could be, but I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I, let's see what, and we set up a time, okay, tomorrow I'm going to meet you, and we're going to leave this person to the Lord, and they're going to get healed. Great. And, um, but, but in my heart, I'm like, man, we're going to, we'll just see what God's going to do. Jesus, only you can do any of these two things. And so we meet, we meet downstairs at the hospital. And, and again, the conversation is, okay, we're going to go up there. You're going to anoint her head with oil, pray for healing. And then you're going to lead her to the Lord. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, I'm not saying a whole lot. I'm like, okay, great. But before we went up, I said, you know, could we just do one one thing? I said, could you? I'd love you to introduce me to Tara. I've never met Tara. Would you introduce me? And then would you give us five or ten minutes alone so I could just talk with her? And uh, so it was like it was like oh okay, no real response. So we go up and uh, we go in the room and there's sweet Tara and uh, uh, her mom is there as well. And hey, you know it's it's you know it's not good and. Uh, we sit down and doctors start lining up to go over what they're going to do that day. And, and, uh, so, so Rebecca and I get up and, and we go down in the waiting room and we're down there for 10 or 15 more minutes. 
And I'm just like, okay, Lord, what, what do you want to do? And for 10 minutes, she's like, okay, healing, anointing, Romans Road, she's going to hell, you need to get her saved. She, she, she only goes to church, she doesn't actually, she's never prayed the prayer. And I'm just, the whole time, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, I don't know if I'm wide-eyed, I would have loved to know what I was, my face looked like. But she, but she literally said, okay, you're not saying anything. What is going on? <laughs> and and um, you're not saying anything. Talk to me. And I said, I said, you know, um, I've just been listening, trying to listen to what Jesus is saying about all of this. And we'll, we will go in and we will pray a prayer of faith for healing. No problem. We're doing that. And I said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll say whatever Jesus tells me to say to her. But I'm not going to force anything. And uh, if she doesn't want to have that conversation, but I, I'll say whatever whatever Jesus tells me to say. And and literally as I'm done saying that, uh, Tara's mom comes down the hall and, and is like, okay guys, you can come in. The doctors are done. Great. So we come in. And just as we walk in the room, Re- Rebecca and Tara's mom are friends. So th- she's like, hey, I don't remember Tara's mom. Then. Tara's mom, will you come get coffee with me and leave these two alone to talk for just a little bit? I was like, and she's like, oh, sure. And I'm like, yes, awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And I come, I get my chair, I come and I sit down, I sit there, and, you know, she's hooked up to a bunch of stuff, and it's not good. And I heard some of what the doctors were talking about before we left, and and I just said, how's it going? You know, how are you doing? And she said, I'm really scared. Really scared. And I was like, yeah. I, I understand. I can understand that a little bit. Um, I said, but there's... We're going to pray that God's going to heal you. And uh, maybe, maybe it'll be miraculously. Maybe I've seen that. I've seen God heal instantly and miraculously. Maybe, maybe it's going to be through this new immunotherapy thing that the doctors were talking about and you guys were talking about. Maybe maybe God will use that. I've seen that many times. I got healed through medicine. And I said, you know, uh, that's there's hope in that. And I'm going to believe with you and we're going to pray that prayer. Um, and I shared, I had testicular cancer several years back. And, uh, and I said, that's small beans compared to what you're dealing with. And I said, I have, I have my family love me, my wife love me, my friends love me. But the only thing that actually gave me peace and comfort during that time was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then I shared how he had delivered me from drugs and alcohol instantly 15 years ago. And that it was so dynamic. I love his presence. I love his closeness. And that's, that's all great now in this present time. I said, but, but my real, and I have hope in all of this stuff. But I said, my real hope, our real hope is that we get to be with Jesus forever. And, and I just shared the gospel. I just said, you know, imagine this Jesus as God becoming a human. I can't understand that. And then he lived perfectly and died for our sins. And, and then he came back to life. And if we believe in him and in that as our Lord and Savior, we, we get to be with him forever. That's our hope. And just with, with you know, her eyes twinkling, she just goes, yeah, that's, that's what I believe. And it was so beautiful. It was just this stillness. It was it was me and Tara and Jesus right in the middle. And we pray this beautiful prayer together. And and afterwards she's just she sits up with all her tears. She gives me this the biggest hug and says, Thank you. And tears in her eyes. And she says, I've been talking to Jesus so much. But it's it makes so much difference when someone comes and believes with me and, and prays for me and with me. Thank you. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And literally, just as we finish, uh, uh, Rebecca and Tara's mom come back in, and like everybody is now smiling. I'm smiling, Tara's smiling, Rebecca's smiling, her mom's smiling. Like the peace and presence of God was so thick in that room, it was so beautiful. I was just like, wow. And we say our goodbyes, more hugs, and hugs, hugs, and we leave. And Rebecca's like, oh, what happened? You know, what went on in there? And I and I just shared the story, and with. Her, she was so excited. She's like, Joe. Or, or, and I, or she said, so she, she gets saved. Did she say the prayer? And I was like, you know, Rebecca, I, I'm not God. But I think she really has saving grace. And I just explained 
our conversation, what I said and what she said, I said, I'm not, I don't know what's actually in her heart. But, and, and she's just like overdressed. She's like, thank you. She said, I grew up Southern Baptist. And whenever I'm scared, I just, I go to the Romans Road and I go to control and I go to, I, I go to legalism. And it's just, it had to be that way. I forget that it's about God's love. And so in, in this moment, I am being encouraged Rebecca is being encouraged. Tara is being encouraged. We're all taking hold and trusting God in different ways. We're all hurting in different, different, different ways. I'm going through all this this very difficult season. Rebecca, uh, being a mother-in-law, is is scared and concerned for her daughter. Tara is actually going through all of it. I mean, and and yet all of us in that moment, God was working and giving all of us comfort. As we were just looking to him and and embracing him. So let's pray. If if that's you, if you are in a place where you are suffering and uh, and you just need you need to embrace the perspective that that we are going through these things, participating in Jesus' suffering, participating with Him, and you need His comfort. And in doing all that, you, you desire to be the example. Just You just open your hands where you are, and we're just going to pray. Jesus, we desire You. We are going through difficult things in this world. There are so many hurts and so many pains all around and others and many in our own hearts and lives. God, help us keep our eyes on you. Help us see your perspective. That You didn't set up all this pain, but you went through it yourself. You understand. You weep with us. And that in going through this, we are participating a drop, a pour of what you went through. Being rejected. Being hurt. Being abused. The Father who you were in perfect union turned his back on you. You were disconnected because of the sin. You, you know more than anyone what suffering is. And you didn't do anything to deserve it. Or take our pain, take our suffering, and, and build our faith in the midst of it. Comfort us, Lord, and build our faith in you that you are in control. And these difficult things will be healed and will be resolved in some way. And if, not, and if it leads us to death, we get to be with you forever. Even unto death. We want to be the example that leads people to wholeness. We want to be whole ourselves. And the only way we can do that is by embracing what you took hold of us for. Help us, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Do your mighty work in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, thanks, guys.